Pittsburgh Steelers drafted seven players in the 2022 NFL Draft. Only two of them were on defense, and to the surprise of many, they didn't draft a single defensive back. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. I'm going to cover the offense next week. This week, we're going to focus on the defensive additions this past weekend. But I know people are dying to hear about Kenny Pickett and wide receivers. So real quick, let me let me get you a little overview. I like the uh, picks on offense. Uh, there's a lot of possibilities opened up by these players. If you go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you can find my Kenny Pickett film room. I published it on Monday. Uh, well, I didn't. They, it was published on Monday. Uh, and, and more will come on film rooms on all of those players. I know uh, KT Smith is doing the two receivers. That's going to be great. You're going to want to see his stuff. Uh, I'm a big fan of all of his film rooms. I like the mix at wide receiver. The Steelers added two big play threats. One, a big play threat through his ability to just adjust and catch the ball downfield. He's is a, He is an amazing contested catch guy downfield. Uh, the other... Calvin Austin III is a speedster, creative guy. He's agile. He's quick. He's going to be a lot of yards after catch. You know, also able to break free if and and on routes where he is, you know, a little uncovered. Love the big play potential of both of those guys. Love how they are attacking big plays from different angles. Just absolutely love those two selections. I'm a big fan of the Kenny Pickett selection. And, of course, the best pick the Steelers made all all weekend, uh, the Connor Hayward pick. Uh, he's, he's one player I just really wanted. He, he screams Steeler all over the place. He is going to be good in Matt Canada's offense. People talk about, oh, we have Derek Watt and we don't use him. What are we going to do with this guy? You know, all this. You know what? We got Derek Watt because he was a special teams captain caliber player who could also play fullback with the position we needed with the potential to be a guy in the offense who could play fullback, but also could play H-back, right? And be a little bit of a runner, be a little bit of a threat as a receiver. That last part didn't work out so well, and we don't use a fullback really because he's not versatile enough. He doesn't add threat in the rest of the offense. It kind of telegraphs what you're doing. No one's going to cover him. Connor Hayward can catch. Connor Hayward can run after he catches the ball. He offers more there, more versatility. So my response to people say we have Derek Watt, this was a wasted pick, is just because you have a Derek Watt doesn't mean you can't draft a guy who fills that role in the offense better. Right? We had Miles Boykin. We added him. George Pickens is a better version of Miles Boykin. The only question is that, right? It's not a big deal. So that's my thought. Uh, the last guy, the quarterback, Ola, Ola Dokun, uh, is a guy the Steelers clearly wanted. It, when you get to the seventh round, when you get to late in the seventh round, these are guys you would like to have as undrafted free agents, but you don't want to compete for them, right? You don't see the market for them, or, or you, you see the market high for them, or you think, you know, they're probably going to go to another team. They're going to fit another team better. 
no quarterback, if they have options to go to different teams, is really going to pick the Pittsburgh Steelers when when we're probably going to be getting rid of a Mason Rudolph, you know, or a or a you know someone someone. We already have three quarterbacks, right? We already have three quarterbacks. You don't have a chance here. You're not going to make the 53 roster as the number three quarterback. If we carry three quarterbacks, it's not going to be this guy. You know, you're going to be practice squad at the best. They need a camp guy. They need a camp guy, and they like this guy, so they brought him in. They drafted him. That's it for the offense. Um, I'm going to get more into those guys, focusing on the offensive draft picks and additions next Monday. For the rest of this show, we're talking defense. Now, I've been saying all draft season I wanted the Steelers to add a young defensive lineman. I was looking for a big physical specimen who could ease his way into being the top guy in a few years, a guy who could dominate one versus one on blockers with just a strength. Like, you know, you can picture it. Stefan to it, right? Get the, the blocker gets good grip on Stefan to it and Stefan to it just pushes him into the backfield. Just says, okay, yeah, you got me. You blocked me. So let's you and me just go back and, and say hi to your quarterback, right? Let's go say hi to the quarterback. Let's go say hi to the run play. Let's go get in the way you know, and make everyone else move around us. That's the kind of guy I'm looking for, right? And a guy who could who could anchor against double teams. So when you double team, he's just sitting there. He's staying put, and your offensive line isn't moving. Your run play isn't going anywhere. You're not peeling off of the, the block to go get a linebacker. The linebackers are flowing free and making tackles. That's the kind of player I was looking for. That's not what the Steelers went for, right? The Steelers went for a defensive end that isn't really a five tech. And while he lined up inside in college a good bit, he won one versus one matchups with his athleticism and skill. And he didn't do well against double teams. Not at all as I was looking for. Not at all what in my head I I was looking for the Steelers to draft. But the draft isn't about the Pittsburgh Steelers taking players that I want. I know this. I don't approach the draft this way. You don't see me putting out mock drafts. I look more at what the Steelers should would, should be or could be, in my opinion, looking for in different positions. So when I'm wrong about what they are looking for, my approach is to look at what they actually got to inform my opinion for the future so I can more accurately predict what the Steelers are looking for. So. What does DeMarvin Leal bring to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Leal can play the edge, but more than he can play inside. He played all over in college, right? But most of all, he was a four-eye alignment. That was, in my opinion, his best usage in college and what translates the easiest to the NFL. The four-eye alignment is where you line up over the the offensive tackle, right? So you're kind of outside, but you are on his inside shoulder. So you're not directly, you're not squared up over the tackle. You're not on the guard side of the guard tackle gap. That's a three-tech, like a penetrating uh, three-tech. That's often where Stefan Tuitt will play. Not in that alignment. He is on the tackle side of that tackle guard gap right? But he's on the tackle's inside shoulder. That's the four-eye alignment. And it's a it's a it's an alignment set up to attack that gap between the guard and the tackle, which if you don't know football terminology, is the B gap. 
That's what you do. And the reason it's a, the, the, the alignment, in my opinion, works best in blitzing because if the guard has a player that they have to block and they can't provide any help to the tackle, it's a really hard job for the tackle. You can imagine, like, if you're squared up with somebody, they move, you move, you block them, right? If they if they have an alignment where they are to your inside shoulder, right? Now you have to move to get to them while they're firing forward. You're moving laterally. They're attacking forward. That's hard to deal with. And if you don't get there fast enough, it's their body against your right or left arm, right? One arm versus an entire player. Not a great situation to be in. It's a great attacking, penetrating alignment, especially if you can get that player a one-on-one. It is not a double-team eating alignment. Brian Flores uses the four-eye a lot. The Steelers used it, were using it more the last couple of years, but not as much. There's there's still more a three-tech team than a four-eye. And Brian Flores uses this because he likes putting linebackers in blitzing situations up on the line, right? So you can imagine you've got a nose tackle squared up over the directly at zero tech. This is Brian Flores likes to use zero tech a lot, which means he's squared up even with the center, right? Just staring the center eye to eye, letting him know, you know, you're blocking me one-on-one you versus me. Then you have a four eye tech on the inside shoulder of that tackle, which means between the center and the tackle, the guard is there, right? If you put a linebacker up on the guard, kind of pinch him to the inside or squared up with the guard, that guard can't help the tackle until he knows whether that linebacker is coming or not. And as we've already stated, the tackle doesn't have much time to square up, move laterally and square up that four-eye defensive lineman. So it creates a penetrating situation as as you slow the guard down, even if that linebacker doesn't blitz. If they just threaten blitz, which oftentimes you'll see uh, what I like to call a tag blitz, which is where you don't really blitz, but you they come forward and they like hit the chest of the offensive lineman and then back up, right? And as they're coming forward and giving the, the offensive lineman like a, a good shove, like get hands on him, that offensive lineman has to engage. You can't just ignore that player because you don't know if they're coming or not. And they are coming. They're coming into your chest. So you go get hands on them and they drop. And then now you're turning, but you're half a second late. And if that four eye defensive lineman won his initial contact, it's too late. Great formation, great usage. He uses it a lot. That is where DeMarvin Leal is going to show up if he gets snaps as a rookie, right? So if he shows up at well at camp, Leal does has a good camp. His path to getting snaps is in that four eye set, four eye alignment. When they go to their you know blitz packages, where you see it all the time, where it looks like a zero blitz, and then some players drop, right? But you don't always know which players are going to drop as the defense. This is where he could really shine. I could also see him in nose tackle in those alignments because Brian Flores doesn't like to use an actual nose tackle at nose when he's in passing situations. He uses linebackers lined up over the center. He'll take defensive ends, line them up over the center, outside linebackers. Literally anyone could be in that center gap. And and he loves to stun out of it. He loves to do a lot of different things with that. DeMarvin Leal could play there. 
The Steelers also have been doing a lot where they will uh, be in their three, four set, their seven, you know, uh, seven man front package. And they will slide the line down to be a four man front. And either TJ Water, Alex Highsmith is one defensive end. And the other defensive end is whoever the, you know, whoever was uh, the defensive end on that side slides out and actually takes over the edge role. Right. In a three, four, your edges are your outside linebacker. They're your edge defenders and your defensive ends are, are more inside and attacking forward. And that more race, they slide it over and one of the defensive ends become the edge. It was a great formation. They, they did it in 2020 really well with Cameron Hayward. In 2021, they had to move Cameron Hayward inside because obviously you can't just put him on one the end on one side of the line and be like, well, don't run out here. And they were like, OK, we'll run to the other way and gain 20 yards, which is what they were doing. So they had to go away from that last year. This is a guy who could play that role, right? He's more of a defensive lineman, but if you slide him out there, he can be an edge guy. He just can't be an outside linebacker. You're not going to drop him into coverage. You're not going to do outside linebacker things with him, but he can be an edge as a defensive end. So there's that usage. There is the four-eye usage, and there is you know stunning him inside and stunning him a lot. There's things you can do with DeMarvin Leal, especially because he fits Brian Flores so well. The second player the Steelers got, Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson is an interesting story. He got a scholarship to play running back at Presbyterian University. He plays there for a season. They get rid of scholarships. Though he he lost his scholarship. They just got rid of scholarship for football. So he transfers to Southeast Missouri. He's there for two years as a running back. In his second year as a running back there, uh, he is part of a three-headed rushing attack. They used three running backs there. And he led the team in touch and rushing touchdowns with seven touchdowns. Was like they they were there was a really good mix. He was uh number two in carries, number three in yards, number one in touchdowns. When they shut down for COVID for the 2020 season, one of his friends talks him into transferring to Ole Miss, where he walks on, sits out that 2020 season because he has to, he was gonna miss it anyways. So he sits it out for transferring. And at some point during that, they start transitioning him to linebacker. 2021 shows up. He has been a linebacker for less than a year, and he has never played the position. Right? He Maybe he played it in high school. I don't know. He hasn't played it in college. He hasn't played it for years at all. He shows up in an SEC defense with less than a year of being even practicing as a linebacker. He ends up second on the team in solo tackles, fourth in tackles for loss. He adds three sacks. In tackles, he was second place to Chance Campbell, who played linebacker all through college, and went in the sixth round to the Titans. He was drafted in the sixth round of the Titans. In tackles for loss, he was also behind, and, and sacks, he was also behind Sam Williams, who was drafted in the second round. He was the third member of that defense drafted, and he played exactly one season on defense. That's the thing with this guy. What can he bring? We don't know. What does he bring right now? What did he bring in his lone season of linebacker where he was learning what to do on the job? He shows a running back-like sense of gaps to rush through. 
when he is attacking as a like a pass rusher or a blitzer, he attacks it like a running back. See a crease, boom, hit that crease. You know, burst through it. He follows defensive linemen like they're blocking for him. He reads their leverage. Really good job of reading leverage on defensive linemen and knowing where to go. Great understanding in run plays of, of leverage and the flow of a run play. I mean, he's a running back, right? He gets it. He's a solid tackler. Those are the good things. Bad things. He is just beginning to learn the basics of coverage, right? We we complained about guys like Vince Williams in coverage. In zone coverage, Vince Williams' technique was incredible. Fantastic. He just had no athleticism, right? But he knew what to do. And in, if you didn't ask him to move too much, he was fantastic in zone coverage. This is not Mark Robinson. Mark Robinson doesn't know what to do in coverage. Like, he is learning it. How fast he picks it up will be a big deal for the Steelers and where they can use him. But I expect he is special teams only starting out. And from there, we'll see. If he if his path to the field right now, let's say he has a fantastic camp and just, you know, all of a sudden, boom, understands basic zone coverage. And so you can drop him into short zones and he's going to be good. He's going to be NFL solid, right? In coverage, his role on this defense, where he could fit in, is as a blitzer. You're going to use him as a blitzer. Why? Because he gets that. He has a natural feel for that, which, you know, that's what you need as a running back is knowing how to get through that line. He knows how to get through that line. He's got that part. So that's where his on-the-field defense strength would come from, is just getting that and blitzing which is a good thing with Brian Flores. If this guy can pick up how to drop and play zone coverage, how to man up on a running back, do these things, if he can get his technique down for that, that will allow him to play those roles, right? He's going to have a spot in this rotation. He's going to get some snaps. He's going to have a chance to earn snaps and actually do some plays because he has these strengths. But most... 99% positive he's a special teams only player this year if if he can make the team I love the pick though if you're if you're going late round I mean this is a seventh round pick you get a guy who was second on his team in the in the SEC uh in tackles right you get a guy who has done that with only one year playing linebacker in his first year playing linebacker he had a good season you know, take a chance on him. I like the move. We're going to, those are the two draft picks the Steelers got. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about the other addition and the lack of an addition at a very specific position that I'd like to cover. But first, we got to do a little commercial break. She won't look my way. Oh, come on, girl. I Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. Before we get started on the second half of the show, I want to thank everybody who was has been a part of our draft coverage. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, a lot of stuff. But, hey, you know, we're going to watch the draft anyways. We might as well 
you know, <laughs> do podcasts and write articles about it. I always, I, this is one of the reasons I love this job is this is, this is stuff I used to do, right? I used to do this anyways. And now I have a reason to, and now when my, when I'm looking up draft stuff, I'm always like, what are you doing? I'm like, honey, I'm doing work. It's a great thing. So thank you to all of you who support our draft coverage. You will, you allow me to do this and I love it. I appreciate you all for it. Thank you for allowing me to turn something that is a passion of mine into something that is a little more than just a hobby, right? It's, it's more than a hobby. It's actually, I get to do this stuff and you read it and I love it. I actually was at the Steelers draft party at Heinz Field um, and someone recognized me. I was wearing my Behind the Steel Curtain t-shirt and someone recognized me. They said they recognized my voice from my podcast. I, sorry, I did not get their names. I'm sorry, I was in a hurry. We were We were running to go do something. Uh, but I want to thank that person for, for saying hi. I, I'm sorry I didn't get your name. No clue what to do uh, when I'm around people. I'm, I'm a... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, I talked to you over the, the internet. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not as good in person. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for, for saying hi. I, I, I love this whole process. I have a lot of fun with it. So I want to thank everyone who was a part of our coverage, was a part of our live shows, came, was in the audience. For all of you that listen to the podcast, all of you who read the articles, if you comment or if you just read them, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate your support. And I, I love the atmosphere here. I love being a part of this. Getting into my second half of my show, the Steelers did not draft a cornerback. A lot of people expected him, to, the Steelers, to draft a cornerback. As I said on my last Cutting Room Floor episode, I expected the Steelers, if they did draft a cornerback, it was going to be in the top three rounds. Because when you look at the depth we have at cornerback, Akella Witherspoon, Cameron Sutton, and Levi Wallace are all solid to good number two cornerbacks. Some potential for being better than Levi Wallace stepped in as a number one and was pretty good for Buffalo until he faced high top tier opponents. Uh, Cameron Sutton was a good number two when he was forced into a number one role. When Joe Hayden was hurt, it didn't go as well for him. Akello Weatherspoon, fantastic coverage cornerback, is a huge liability in run defense and against short screens and stuff where he has to take on blockers. Big liability there. Not a good tackler. Not good at taking on blockers, finding his way through blocks to the ball. Fantastic in coverage. Those are your top three corners. So there was definitely room to add a number one corner or even a slot specialist in this draft. But if you're going to do that, it's got to be early. Because any later than, as I said then, the third round, you've got guys who are going to be competing with a James Pierre, Arthur Millette, Trey Norwood. And at that point, what are you doing? You know, you've already got six cornerbacks at that level or higher. Don't go grabbing late cornerbacks just to cut them or just to cut someone who's this, just as good as them, right? Who's the same level. But without taking a cornerback, the Steelers go into the season kind of looking like they need something, right? You needed something. 
my dark horse candidate for a draft pick didn't happen either. And that was a safety, specifically a deep zone coverage safety that I've been harping on this really since the 2019 season ended. Minkovitz Patrick isn't a true center fielder safety. He's not. That's not his best usage. Last year, he was forced more into that role as Terrell Edmonds was required to be in the box. And and even Minkovitz Patrick came down in the box a bit, but that's not his best usage. His best usage is where he has the ability to tack forward, right? I don't like him as your deepest defender where you can't let people get behind you because he's so much better attacking forward when he can jump the underneath routes and really be a defender who completely takes away the middle of the field. That's his best usage. So I thought, you know, you go get a deep zone safety. You allow Terrell Edmonds to be in the box, in the slot, where he had his most of his snaps, his of, of his three main alignments. Terrell Edmonds had three positions he played most of all. Uh, or I should say alignments, not positions, because he was a safety the whole time. But one is in deep zone, co- deep coverage, where you're the deep, you know, traditional safety look. In the box, the strong safety look when you come up and run support, you're in the box with the linebackers. And his third was as a slot defender. His the, the alignment he was in the most last year as the run defense struggled was in the box. Second was in the slot where he actually led all Steelers defenders in slot snaps. Slot defense snaps. These are fun to say words together. And then third was deep zone, right? So if you get a deep zone guy, you can use Terrell Edmonds in the role that he's better in. What's everyone's major problem with Terrell Edmonds? Everyone remembers, well, he doesn't make splash plays. That's number one. He doesn't. But in 2019, when he was in deep zone coverage a lot, he was attacked there. He's gotten better in that role, right? But what if you just take him out of that role? It's still not a big strength. You'd like to have someone who makes plays on the ball and can actually catch you know, a ball for an interception when it's available to him and play Terrell Edmonds up more, say, as one of your main nickelbacks. We've seen teams do this three-safety kind of look where you have a safety who primarily plays in the slot or in the box. That's Terrell Edmonds right there. A coach who has used that three-safety approach really well the last couple of years? guy by the name of Brian Flores. Three safeties who took snaps for him, roughly equivalently. All of them played a lot. Three safeties. Terrell Terrell Austin has used that before coming to Pittsburgh. It's easy to see why he didn't once he came here. We've had two safeties since 2019. The backup safeties are guys like Marcus Allen, right? And then Trey Norwood. Trey Norwood was our dime back. You know, you're not playing these guys a huge amount of snaps. Well, the Steelers didn't draft a safety, but they did sign one shortly after the draft. And DeMonte Kazi. DeMonte Kazi is a, he's five foot ten. He was a cornerback coming out in college. Came out, they converted him to safety. When he was in college, he was compared, one of the big comparisons they gave for him was Senquez Golston. Golson. Because like Senquez Golson, he was a serious ball hawk as a cornerback. Now Kazi jo- <laughs> joins the Steelers. Uh, And he's going to try to accomplish what Golson never did, and that is actually play a snap for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Obviously, compared to Senquez Golson, not based on his availability uh, in the NFL, but his skill set coming out of college. He converted to safety. He's been a reasonably good interception threat, but mostly he's a center fielder. He plays cover one safety. He plays uh, the center safety in cover three. He is that center of the field, deepest defender guy. And he's really good in that specific role. A role that I've been saying for a couple of years, the Steelers could be looking for. Someone who can just be that guy. Doesn't need to be a top end free safety who has versatility and can do all these other things. They just need a player who can thrive in deep zone coverage. And they got one. Another thing that makes sense to me is of those three safeties that Brian Flores used so much, one of them was about 5'10", under 200 pounds, and he played free safety. He was a converted corner. One of the problems Minka Fitzpatrick had with Brian Flores is with Brian Flores played this converted cornerback to safety at free safety, Minka Fitzpatrick played in the box. And became kind of a run defender role. While the other safety was more fluid in coverage. In, you know, different coverage roles. Coming to the Steelers, Minka Fitzpatrick has a role carved out for him. He does fantastic in robber alignments. If you look at our third down coverage where he kind of just eats, stands on the, the line to convert. Like if it's third and 14, he is on that line. On that first down line. And just taking away everything in the middle of the field. He's just like, come on, bring it. Like, if, if you throw underneath to somebody, I'm going to tackle him. If you throw, you know, at me, I'm going to pick it off. You try to throw over my head, you better throw far over my head, in which case there's people behind there to help, right? That's kind of the Minka Fitzpatrick role is middle of the field destroyer, right? That's that's really what he is. If you put him towards a hash mark, he's going to take away that side of the field. Kind of middle zone, just eat anything that's in there. He's going to read the play. He's going to read the quarterback. And if you throw it near him, it's got a very good chance of going the opposite direction. The problem we've had as the Steelers is with just Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds, wherever Minka lines up, you just go somewhere else. In 2019, that meant what side of the field is Minka on? What side of the field is Terrell Edmonds on? They're not on the same side of the field. So all you got to do is locate Terrell Edmonds and throw it that way. Because he's not going to pick it off and take it back for a touchdown. He might break the pass up, or he might just completely blow the deep coverage in 2019. 2020, same thing. You can't exploit Terrell Edmonds as well, but you're just not throwing to Minka. 2021, we saw teams throwing deep, especially 2020 and 2021. Teams started attacking Minka Fitzpatrick, making him choose deep or underneath coverage and throwing to the other receiver. That's not his strength. He's not that center fielder. Now you've got that guy. The Steelers just signed that guy. Starting caliber, deep zone safety, who is a true center fielder, not a high-end center fielder, you know? This is not this is not Ed Reed. This isn't Earl Thomas. This isn't the, those guys, right? He is a very solid center fielder who can pick off the ball. 
can make these plays, and it's going to be tough to be in coverage. And that frees up Minka Fitzpatrick to do the roles that Minka Fitzpatrick is so good at. And it also, when he's freed up to do that, leaves Terrell Edmonds not having to play that deepest defender zone, right? He doesn't have to be that guy. DeMonte Kazi is probably my favorite addition the Steelers made this weekend, more than any of the draft picks. Even more than Kenny Pickett. I'm a big fan of Kenny Pickett. Even more than Kenny Pickett. More than even Connor Hayward, who, who I, I just love the addition so much. Kazi is my favorite addition. And it's going to free up these safeties to do what they do best And if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, okay, Jeffrey, but who plays cornerback? Well, okay, yeah, we don't have a true number one cornerback. We have three number two cornerbacks. Who's going to be the slot corner? What if that slot corner is not a corner, but is a safety named Terrell Edmonds? What if the Steelers use a committee there? Trey Norwood, Arthur Millette. Terrell Edmonds, Cameron Sutton, based on what they're facing. There's a lot of possibility there. The Steelers have a lot of versatility, a lot of options in their defensive backfield. And DeMonte Kazi unlocks the versatility of Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds by letting them say, okay, we can just put him out there and say, yeah, he's your deep safety, right? Everyone knows he's your deep safety. You don't have to disguise that. Because they're going to be sitting there looking and saying, okay, where's Terrell Edmonds? Where's Minka Fitzpatrick? What are they doing? That's what this addition means to the defense. That's why he's my favorite addition. But really, when you look at this defense, the thing you should take away from it, final takeaway from this podcast, is in the same way the Steelers have spent this offseason investing in Matt Canada's offense, adding players that fit his offense. The Steelers went into this draft weekend and added two players that should play snaps this year in DeMarvin Leal and DeMonte Kazi that fit Brian Flores' defense up front and some things he did in the secondary, which makes me think not Brian Flores has taken over and is in charge of everything, but that they're working together. They're stealing ideas from each other. And a defense that has been very recently kind of rebuilt to to fit Terrell Austin is now adding elements that fit Brian Flores. And I'm so very excited to see the scheme this defense shows and, and how they attack teams schematically. On offense, I'm very excited to see the players and how they fit Matt Canada's offense and how Matt Canada goes. On defense, man, this is going to be a very fun time for me watching how this defense evolves with Brian Flores in-house and clearly getting players that fit what he does. Very excited to see this. Love this draft. Love what they added. And I hope now you can see what they're thinking with the defensive selections they made. That's our show for this week. Thank you for listening. It's a little longer than than usual. I hope you enjoy it. As always, have a great week. 
and let's go steal it. Mm-hmm.